You're listening to The Chris Miller Show. Chris Miller uh, with Tagma Group. Um, this is one of our podcasts. Uh, we've been doing a few of these, and, and a lot of it has to do with talking about this design and UX in general. Um, you know, being the fact that we'd be staffing and recruiting for this, we hear a lot of interesting stories. So I try to assemble a team of uh, some interesting people that I just thought are unique and, and I think like-minded and just um, who I believe are experts in the field. And I've been begging this guy for a long, long, long time um, to do this because he was probably one of the first people that popped into my head about this, but uh, a gentleman by the name of Aaron Siskin who I've begged for a long time to do this podcast just because he's one of the experts in the field and somebody I've known for a long time. So, Aaron Yusiskin, I'm so happy to have you uh, kind of here. Hey, thanks, Chris. Appreciate it. This is, uh, you know, I know we've been dodging this bullet for quite some time, busy getting this done, but uh, appropriate time and um, looking forward to this conversation. I think it'll be fun. No, cool. and like I said, uh, just in, in kind of our pre-work to do this call, we, we, it, we talk about this over and over again in terms of uh, whether it be confusion or uh, just people not being aware of where, what user experience is, what the difference between user experience and being a digital creative director is, things like that. Um, I've had three previous conversations. We're probably going to have three more. And, again, they're all people that I, I trust and uh, have a decent relationship with that I've known for a while. So the, the question I always ask you, and we do it whether you're, we're looking for jobs or hiring people, is sort of like what the, the misinterpretation of user experience is. And kind of, I, I'd love to talk to you just at least as basic as possible of like, why do you think people are confused? You know. You know you know, the U.S., you know, it's funny because this, this comes up quite, quite a lot, more often than you would think, and, you know, you guys being in this field, this definitely comes up quite a bit, is that, you know, UX is not new, at least not new to someone like myself who has somewhat been doing UX since the beginning of time, I feel. You know, creative directors were doing it. Art directors were doing it. And then you became information architecture, and then people were doing that as well. And then the whole digital transformation and design thinking and Google and everyone came into the field and that I wouldn't say muddy the waters because on the art side you have creative directors, you have art directors, you have designers, junior designers, not as extensive, but with the UX field you have researchers, uh, people who do surveys and interviews, you have heuristics, you have journey maps, you have analysts, you have UX people who are doing the wireframes, you have people who are doing the prototyping. You now have UI in that where that is somewhat now muddying the water for creative as well. And then you have anything from prototyping, front-end development, that could be all lumped into this UX field. So just talking about it right now, you can see how crazy and muddy this is getting. And then now we have the new pieces to the pie is you have artificial intelligence, machine learning, and all the components to making an e-commerce site or a B2B site or blockchain or anything, you can see, I can see it's confusing. <laughs> I know, it's, I mean, it's, it's totally confusing. And it's interesting you said that about how, you know, because uh, I always hold, like, the highest regard when I try to educate the least newer people doing this about what a UX person is and sort of how UX started and, you know, and talking about the dot-com days and, and back then it was just talking about a designer or a web designer and it was like, figure it out. And I, I always say that that learning of that days, because that's when I started working in, in, in advertising, everything was digital. Yeah. I'm returning it to digital. 
was that the people learning that, I mean, they're, they're you know, sort of unlike any people that are out there now, I think, you know, maybe coming out of, like, a trade school. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but it's just such unique, like, first-generation web. And it, it does sound simple when they would just call you a creative director and you had to do all of that. Yeah. You know? And it, it's... And it's unique, and I believe, you know, age barrier, you know, being thrown aside, but the longer that you've been in this in this field, the better you are at UX. It really does. It transforms. You walk into a Starbucks, and you look at the patterns of how people are shopping or trying to get a drink. That's UX. You walk into, you know, you look at the flow of how a Home Depot might be set up and how the parking is to the, you know, the exits. UX, you know, that is what people in my field, the good ones, look at heuristics. Everything around you is a UX problem. And, yeah. you know, the longer you, I think the longer you are in life, the better you are at UX. And yeah. that, that being said, if you've done hundreds of websites like myself, which is kind of embarrassing, um, yeah. you sort of start to learn patterns of what people are trying to do or how they react or interact. And then and then you go develop them from there. But along with that becomes research and analytics and surveys and A-B testing and, hey, we can keep doing this. And heat mapping and, you know, what is the most relevant? Do you look at – and real, recently data has been the one that's sort of floating to the top. You know, everyone wants a great persona, but when you talk about – you know, UX and you talk about data, now you're getting to a better experience. Because I can interview 100 people and they might tell me what they're doing, but if I look at the data log on a website and how many people hit and what they're doing on that site, I get a pretty big picture right then and there without having to interview anybody. So yeah. it, it gets, it's, it's crazy. This field is, is fun, as you can hear from my voice, I think, but yeah. it's, it's the harder part is, you know, being a consultant as myself and going from company to company, you know, people always want, hey, I want a UX specialist or a UX practitioner or can you do pretty pictures and or draw wires and, and boxes on a screen. Sure. What actually are you looking for? And I think throwing that out there, sometimes it's a dollar figure they're looking for. Sometimes it's a experience level they're looking for. Um, you can't fit around, you know, Peg and they – Square hole. Well, they might not, and they also in the situation that you might not even know, right? They know, they know they yeah. need it. They know it's hot. It's, it's, and we probably talked about it before. It's kind of when social media came out, and everybody said, "Oh, we need a social media specialist." And when you ask them, "Why do you need to hire a social media specialist?" You're like, "I don't know. We, I just know we need one." And something I've always talked about with people is, and it's, it's the UX or user experience. Or there's probably even people who know it as UX and not even what the hell UX is. You know, they, but you know, and you say user experience or CX or whatever it might be, but you, you have people where UX might mean something different to um, product as it does to creative, as it does to dev, as it does yep. to you know uh, even the end result. But that's interesting. You gave the you gave the um, analogy about like Home Depot and whatnot and all those pieces because that makes me think of another piece that gets confusing and we'll go off a little bit of a tangent. But like the whole service design thing. Right and how you know there's people. I mean, you know, UX used to be, you know, I think it is a digital thing, but then you're also thinking it as an actual physical thing, which I mean, it all does play play a huge part in it. And you know, from uh, 
you know, customer journey or usage of product yeah. or ease of use or whatever, or just yeah. making things simple so you can, you can move quicker and, and have and, more transactions. And I started calling that almost, I'd love to trademark, and I've been trying to work on this, is visual user experience, right? And that, that encompasses everything we do. I mean, I really got, I got into this field, hey, you and I have known each other almost two decades. And, you know, you being, I have to say, the conversations we have educate both of us every time we get on the phone. It's phenomenal. And, you know, I learned a little bit more about the hiring practices and how things are going about, what needs to be said or done. But, you know, I worked in a trade show company for a long time, and that's pretty much where we started to get to know each other. And talk about an experience there. You're not only doing the flow and how people are interacting. I came up with this device when working at, you know, one of the trade show companies was called Booth Trends, and we got to see exactly the, the through tracking, the early part of tracking, I could tell you the flow of traffic going into a Pfizer booth sure. and where they went from there. And then that really just exploded. Sort of putting those puzzles together really is what I really enjoy doing. So if they went from here and they went to there, how can I capture them? What can we do? And that really sort of, that was sort of, I think, my turning sign to looking at user experience, because before that, it was just putting a website together, and you were working with information architecture and doing some things, and heuristics wasn't involved. You know, everyone can say that these new terms have been around for a while, but, you know, no. And, you know, a visitor's user experience can be, it could be mobile, it could be desktop, it could be parking lot, it could be shopping mall, it could be how you get on a plane. I mean, it's what we do and what we see, you know, a lot of people ask me, so what are you reading now? Yeah, I'm reading design thinking, you know, by the Google Venture people. But really? I'm reading Dwell Magazine. I'm reading, I'm, yeah. I'm going through all these components that make me visually a better person to see the whole pie, I guess, yeah. if that makes, makes sense. No, no, no. And that's, that's interesting that you say that about all the other pieces because that's, that's, I mean, that's, so, that's so important. And... You know, I feel like we always talk about the, the confusion of just people not knowing and, and just strange job descriptions. And, you know, somebody along the hiring line might want a UX designer, which turns out to be something else or one of the, the many feathers in the UX cap of all the, the, the general disciplines. Because, you know, some people, especially, again, who came into the dot-com days and, and were, I don't know if you were forced to see everything, but you sort of had to figure it out quickly on the fly in, in a high demand with probably high budgets and lots of going on. That's why you sort of became that, you know, I don't want to say unicorn, but sort of like the ninja for it because you had to, because they, it, they didn't define these functions. It was, right, it was all kind of encompassing at that point. Yeah, I mean, it, it was evolving, but the numbers were high. I mean, to do, you know, a direct TV, $10 million, really? I mean, come on, let's not get crazy. But, oh, that's you right. Know, you, you were, yeah, you were in that place, right? I was, I was in that place. <laughs> I was in the dot-com revolution. I mean, there's your age thing. And so, yeah. you know. It, it became out of necessity, but what we learned out of that from the flash prototyping, from all this type of stuff, is that we would show things to the client and they wanted a change. That's hours. You know, when you're talking flash or you're talking Photoshop, that's hours of work. And so we even started dumbing it down even in the early dot-com. It wasn't anything more than dumbed-down sketches or something like that and a flow, but no one called it user experience. We just called it, you know, sketching you know, yeah. napkin sketching or whatever you want to call it, and it sort of evolved, and that's when other pieces to this whole pie evolved. And I really, with the, you know, with the, what people are calling it, 
transformation or digital transformation or whatever this may be today, and that, you know, you have to start thinking that the desktop isn't the end-all, be-all. Like, even today, you know, the other day I did a quick little search and some research on mobile phone usage, and oh, it's, it's 80 to 90% people in the United States have a phone. That is... That changes the landscape, right? Everyone thinks that not everyone is accessible. Well, that does change it. So how many more of those people, how do we connect with them? Do we connect with them through the watch? Do we connect them through the phone? Do we connect them through the desktop? How do you bring all those components together? Of course, I mean, Google does a phenomenal job of making sure that you're digitally connected with all your devices. So... Why can't more websites and people do that as well? I mean, not to say that Google is the end-all, be-all, but, hey, billions of dollars go towards making sure they're the, you know, they're great at it. And Yahoo yeah. was another one. I did, you know, Oath.com, and we were there, and I learned a lot about accessibility. So, oh, there's another one that you have to should know about for UX. What about accessibility experts? And we're not talking colors. It, 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 the gamut keeps going, and it's... It's when do you stop? When is enough enough? I, I don't know, right? That's that's always the the crazier parts of this. And now, you know, even with myself going into um, AI and machine learning, how can that help UX and creative? It's not. It shouldn't be scary, right? We shouldn't see this as scary, like uh oh, someone's taking my job. We should see it as how I can build a better mousetrap. Well, that's that's the whole thing. Is that I'm, I'm trying to put something together that talks even about that because. The scary piece is interesting because you go in there and there's people that are either going to embrace it in an interview, whether it be an interview, a client, a freelance client, they're going to embrace it and say, "Holy cow, this is the guy for this, and this is this is who I'm going to, you know, I'm going to pass this off to." Or there's people hiring and you go down the, you know, the pecking order of, of talent acquisition to the manager to the VP or whatever, and then they see you. I mean, you can, you're posed as a either a uh, as a threat or someone like, "Holy cow, they can't live without." But that's yeah. interesting, and, and so that's interesting. You pose this interesting question because I always tell people, you know, I mean, the one one luxury at least that we have is that, you know, the conversations that somebody like you and I have had can be forthcoming, and you find out a lot of kind of what, you know, what's important to people and, and what, kind of where they want to go and who they want to work with. And I think, you know, from from, from the staffing or recruiting side, I always tell people to go in and present yourself as a capable. Like, don't think of it as an interview, present Think of it as a uh, presentation, uh, capabilities presentation. Yeah, that's it. Because, because I think possibly it might be easier palated by them versus saying, I mean, you know, it, it, it's easier to process, right? It's, and it's less intimidating because because of the confusion of the UX piece. And you, you never want to talk about somebody's head, even though you kind of should, because you sort of want that person. That's sort of the person you want to, want to hire, right? Like when you, when, like when you hired Right? I mean, you want to hire. I mean, and that's interesting. I want to hire people that are smarter than me. I mean, it, it sounds yeah. stupid, right. but no, you, shouldn't be, you shouldn't be afraid of that. I mean, you know, the, the other side of the hiring thing is, of course, the people, the companies in which you use for staffing, right? Yeah. You yeah. have been right. doing this for decades. You know, if I said, right. if you want to talk to someone about UX, go talk to Chris. I mean, I get phone calls daily, you know, now looking for the next yeah. gig, about yeah. from kids are straight out of school. I mean, yeah. so what do they know about UX or creative in general? I start talking, yeah. and yeah. 
hey, I can't see their face, but boy, they, gla- they glass over pretty quickly when I start talking about the advanced stuff and things that are going on in the U.S. world and where it should be heading. And they're like, yeah. but they just want a UI guy. Okay, then, yeah. you know, look at my LinkedIn profile. You probably will see that you shouldn't have called me. Well, it's even like, but it's even stuff like that. It's like you, you, you can fit in. I mean, you know, a contractor, consulting gig, freelance gig is also, I think, a different representative of what a full-time could be because there's kind of pieces of it and you're there for to, to kind of focus on a specific need. But, yeah. and, you know, so, I mean, you can, I mean, look, you could, you could go in and do whatever you need to do and I'm sure it'll, I'm pretty sure it's going to get done the right, the right way to sort of the first time and, and you'll probably be able to evangelize and, and, Help people understand why that these things are important. You know, I, like I said, you know, the conversations you said that we always talk about. You know, we always talk about things like that and the new thing. And I talk about the politics and what I see, and the confusion, <laughs> and everybody seems to go back to it. Um, but here's a question for you, and you know, because you've done, I mean, you staff big, massive teams. You've been on your yeah. own. You've been in small teams. You had to do a lot. So you know, there, what I've noticed is that there's either people who are going to have um, mature UX, and I'll just call them UX practices, just meaning maybe they're a product company or they're a web company, you know, and they just have armies and armies of people just building out digital properties, experience, visual, you know, information, architecture, wireframe, all the things that you talked about. But then there's a lot of companies that are going through first iteration and not even like companies that are, you know, a single digit numbers. We, we talked to a company the other day that's almost 200 people, and they use consultants, they had to have developers, and they finally said, we need a dedicated U.S. practice. So they called the job a U.S. strategist. They first called a UI U.S. person, and I right. said, well, what's your definition of that? Um, and thank goodness I was talking to a very educated product guy who sounded awesome. He knew exactly, and I said, well, what's the politics? How is U.S. going to be understood in an organization? And then why did you change the title to strategist? And part of it was that the upsell to people to understand why that was important. So here's a question for you. So you could you could easily be the guy, I mean, they're far away, and maybe we should talk about it, but you could easily be the guy to go in there and, and help them understand what user experience is, upsell it to stakeholders, upsell it to people's management. I mean, it, it, thankfully, I think they had the blessing from the president that they knew this was important to take their product because of some inefficiencies to take it to the next level. And all it was is like a, a sort of like an HR services platform that they just had a couple bottlenecks as an internal tool. So, you know, some things were, I guess, lived with, and they said, we want to get rid of the, the inefficiencies. So if you're a person going in there as, like, the first U.S. person, and it's, I think you probably already answered this, like, what do you, like, wh- how do you hire? Do you hire for what you're lacking? Do you just hire? I mean, because you do, like, everything. You can handle, like, I mean, you can do all-encompassing, but do you just hire somebody smarter or somebody talented? Do you hire somebody better on visual? Do you hire to what the market bears at that point? I mean, there might not be a perfect answer. No, I mean, you're asking the right, the right question. is, And it, it depends what the company's looking for, right? If I was looking for an e-commerce or something along those lines. But even to the end, one of the best people I ever hired, he was very creative, very good. I can teach people to have the skills to make a, a, a nice website. You know, are you looking for someone that's you got your heuristics or surveys or A-B testing? That aside, one of the pe- best people I ever hired, he had he was a game developer. You know, he was very junior in the UX side of it, very senior in the creative side of it, managed people, did all that kind of stuff. But the tool, what I saw in him 
My boss said don't hire him. The company said don't hire him. Everyone yeah. said don't hire him. he doesn't have the experience in which we need. And uh, I made the call of, what do you mean? He can see things that we don't. He's a game developer. Think of the permutations and everything and the workflows that have to go on just developing games, board games in general. And they're like, well, this is on you. None of us are at that company anymore. He's still there. So let me tell you, you know, it, you know some of us left. Some of us, he's still there. And let me tell you, you know, it's, it's not always about the pretty pictures that people can draw or the, you know, the, yes, experience is huge. And this guy did have the experience. He had worked for some of the larger corporations in the world, more in the creative. He went to General Assembly and whoever wants, you know, you can, you can look at two things against that. He was brushing up on his skills, but he wasn't a doctor who was going to, you know, General Assembly, which I've interviewed surgeons who went to General Assembly and wanted to make a life change, and those aren't the people that I'm going to hire. This kid, you know, and he was it. And so some of it's the the atmosphere in which you want to hire. I mean, if you can hear me and you know me, I'm Ricochet Rabbit. I'm a little – I'm an energy, high energy. I want people around me that will either balance me out or keep that energy going. I want to walk into an office that everyone's like, this is the best place to work. And – Sometimes giving per, uh, people a chance, whether you're going to, you know, whether that's a VP level, a C level, or all the way down to a junior level, sometimes you give the person the chance and they will completely surprise you. No, no, I, I, I agree with that, but that's interesting because um, you know, the, the conversation I have with this company about the, the UX strategist, evangelist, the person who's going to go in there and sort of like educate everybody without educating them. Um, you know, his definition was like, do you know, do you know what, what this kind of person is? And I said, well, you know, one of the most unique UX, when you're talking about true UX, and I told them, I said, you know, UX from everything that you've talked about, I said, one of the most interesting people I ever met, I mean, he didn't have any Photoshop, he didn't have any vision, he didn't have any of that stuff. He had a, he had a, a dry erase, you know, board and a marker. And I explained to them, like, the critical thinking and just the way they thought and, and, you know, workflows and solving problems was just, you know, the other stuff is just the technical, tactical stuff, right? Um, yeah. But the, but the thinking you can't, you can sort of can't replicate it many times, and it's very hard sometimes even to quantify it. But um, when you – so here's a question for you. Are there – and, you know, as you, you know, even look at projects or look at, like – one thing I talked to somebody about was that they, you know, they look at the job descriptions that are out on the job boards, um, and they look at how job descriptions are written or how they've even written job descriptions to attract the right people. Now, what might come from you might be something very different that comes from, like, human resources, right? And I just, hopefully there's somewhere in the balance or sometimes, you know, it comes out of an HR toolbox or sometimes it's written and it's written differently. You can actually pick you know, when you see, you can see the ones that came out of the creative or the UX person versus maybe, you know, a business person. But are there any things that you look at or even on a positive or a negative that sort of, like, causes red flags? Because I talk to somebody and, you know, sometimes even the job description I've seen from clients hiring, I'll show to people and they're very generic, they're very basic, you don't really tell the story of the company or the team or all the other fun things. But is there anything you stay away from or things that or you gravitate to? You know, I just I joking because people continue to use uh Pixel Perfect um on, you know, job descriptions and I think that's kind of like or even like the unicorn thing, I think is uh something we got red flag, which basically means you gotta do everything in planet Earth. Yeah, you know, whenever they say the unicorn that's 
that's that's then they're just they're just looking, right? Those are the type of people who just want to see what they're going to capture. Okay, let me throw out there. Or if they put, you know, anything that says, you know, senior UX or high three hundred thousand dollars. I mean, this isn't Silicon Valley for God's sake. Yeah. Those are red flags. Now people are just trying to collect resumes, you know. Yeah. And sometimes, I. Yeah. Uh, you know, you can see things that have been written by engineers or straight HR or have been duplicated. I mean, so there's nothing that really is, is glaring is just when it's all over the place. When you look at it, a job posting and it's somewhat all over the place and they're not being specific, like I'm, I want a UX manager or a lead UX manager or a director of UX, what is your process, right? We're looking for someone that's going to come in and develop this process. And, hey, the processes are out there. All someone has to do is do the due diligence, copy what's going out there, and this is what we're doing. But being able to come on board and sort of flow that process out, what's your discovery, what's your design, and what's your um, launch, and what are the components in there? You know, those are the ones you're like, okay, Zach, someone thought about this. Someone has something in there. But in the end, what makes it really hard of just blindly – blindly applying to all these sort of positions is when you start talking to them, how many of these people are just learning from you, right? You go in there, you have a nice interview, yeah. and they say, hey, thank you very much. And six months later, they're still interviewing for that same job, and they're just learning from every person that they ever interview from. So, you know, yeah, I've been on both learning. sides of the gamut. Yeah. There was a California company that did that to me, and six months later, they're still looking. So, what does that tell you? You know, it's it, it's yeah. it's hard. There yeah, isn't any. That's really interesting. Or they're probably looking for intel. I mean, that, I've seen that with a. Yeah. I worked at a small design agency years and years ago. That was you know, and it, it was one of an handful. And you know, one day was looking for a new opportunity, the next step up, and apply there. And what I got out of it was, I think they were just looking to see what clients we had and what services yeah. we offered. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's eye opening, right? Yeah. yeah. If a job posting says, "Hey, you know, we're looking for someone that has experience with Sketch." Omnigraphal, Envision, Azure, uh, you know, then then they don't know what they know, right? Because you're either right. using Sketch or XD or Envision. You know, you're using one of the tools. You're not using all the tools, right? That's that's where a company. So, which is good if you're in my position and you're you're trying to build out the correct um, program or you know department. Then it's great. Then sure, you have those skills then you know what you want to do. I mean, you want to use Xure because it's more of a production environment. You want to use Sketch because that's what's already been baked in and it's a cheaper solution. You know, it, it all depends, but it is, it, it's, it's a crazy, but that's why people should be working with knowledgeable, you know, recruiters like yourself because blindly applying to these job postings is, for me, just, throwing your paper and hoping that, you know, something on your resume sticks. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, sad reality of it, um, unfortunately, with some of these places. And, and in some places, you know, it's like, I mean, I think you said personally in a certain place. I mean, you know, I, I just know, knowing you long enough, I know what you're capable of and kind of where you've done and, and where, you, where you really fit. And, you know, I don't want to take up too much more time. I have one more question for you, and this is, I think, very interesting. So, because this field changes so often, and it's just like every day there's something, and it's hard to sort of navigate when you're researching this stuff. And, and I'm talking about, you know, how being, you know, the expert that you are, how do you keep abreast of the industry, um, 
you know, just, and I'm just saying, you know, going to whatever, U.S. Magazine, I mean, that's whatever, that's one-time thing, but what do you read? How do you keep on top of it? How do you know? I mean, granted, talking to people every day, I mean, that's how I learn, and maybe that's, you know, being yeah. smart people, right? You know, there, yes, and in your position, you'll learn very quickly because you're talking to very, you know, very smart people and hopefully placing, you know, these people as well. For myself, yeah. it's, you know, a little bit is they would call you that entrepreneurial spirit. They, you know, you're constantly thinking of new ways to envision, you know, a health app or something. But, you know, there's things I, I read. I get up early. I read the paper. I read blogs. I read, you know, I use Feedly. I, you know, daily I use news from Apple daily that are loaded up with some of the top sort of um, blogs and post everything out there, and then, you know, there's the outside stuff like the wearables, the AI, the engineering, the architectural, all those type of things I read as well, especially where is technology going, you know, what are people doing, what are people gravitating towards, what is that next, as you said, unicorn, you know, we all want to be part of the next Facebook or the Google, so what else is out there, is wearables it, is AI it, is machine learning it, you know, is cancer profiling it, um, you know, all those type of things. Where's the next car revolution going to go? So knowing all that and how these sort of play into effect of just using your dashboard navigation versus Apple Play or, you know, Ford Sync or something along those lines, it is just every day you're taking in more and more or as much as you can. And that is, that means, yeah, you have to do your, as a UX person, you have to do your own research. And that means probably getting up early and reading and learning and experimenting and looking at the new apps that are out there or the resources that are available in the new apps and where they're heading. And that's really how I stay ahead of things. Wow. Well, that's cool. Well, I don't want to take more of your time, Aaron. I mean, I'm just so happy we could do this, you know, and you could come on here. Um, you know, I, again, I think you speaking or just anybody listening to you speak about this, I mean, I think it'd be value anyone in this field, you know, whether it be a senior person, uh, you know, who's been there, done that at the top of their game, or even somebody starting out, or even somebody that just has questions about it. I mean, it makes it a little more, uh, you know, a little more uh, attainable to just hear it, like, in real, like, real time versus reading an article from a real person. Because I, you know, I truly trust your judgment. I trust your opinion about this stuff. And, again, I learned, I learned a ton from you. So I appreciate you being here. But I, how can people reach you? How can they find your portfolio? You know, I think you've yeah. got to give yourself a little self-promo. Yeah, I mean, I'm at Aaron Usiskin. That's A-A-R-O-N-U-S as in Sam, I-S as Sam, K-I-N, dot com, or Usiskin at gmail dot com. And, you know, if you need help, you need transformation, you need to start a new um, department, you need design thinking, any of that, you know, give me a call. I'm sure we can work something out, travel, you know, all that kind of fun stuff. But, yeah, um, as you can hear, um, I, I love talking about this. I love talking with you, Chris. I think, you know, you and I have known each other, and we've talked from everything from, you know, freaking the dot-com age and how are we going to – what's the next, you know, agency to dot-com, and then all the way up to – you know, my newest, you know, my newest flavor of the month is machine learning, UX, and ML. It's, yeah. you know, it's it's coming fast and it's coming fun. And so, yeah. anytime that I can talk about what I love to do um, outside of all the other stuff, uh, this is it, man. Thanks. No, it's awesome. And I, I, you know, and even though it's not brand new portfolio, I think your new updated portfolio looks awesome. I was on it today showing somebody. 
So, um, look cool. out, Danny. Appreciate uh, it, man. No, as usual, as luck, but hopefully we'll do this again. I appreciate your time. I need a couple beers. Um, but, uh, again, this is Chris Miller with Syntagma Group. We're doing this podcast. Uh, we're trying to do it monthly with some of the top people out there just to get some insight versus what you're going to read in the press and, and have some real people talk. So this is Chris Miller at Syntagma. I'm Chris.Miller at SyntagmaGroup.com, or uh, you can reach me via LinkedIn or at 857-449-2321. Aaron, have a good day. Hey, you too, man. Take care. All right. I'll see you. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to The Chris Miller Show.